what comes to your mind when you hear the word church? Um, when you hear the word church, it's, it's, it's a word that probably brings up a lot of different visions from each and every one of us, probably based on our experience with the church. Maybe you think of a, uh, maybe you think of a building. Maybe you think of a building that's kind of like this, uh, uh, maybe a little country church. Or, or maybe your experience has been different than that. When you say church, you think of a cathedral. You think of a church. You think of stained glass and robes and uh, maybe a little more formal. Or, or maybe you think, oh, no, no, this is what church is. You know, church is, it's lights, it's crowds, and it's, man, it's, a, it's, a, it's like an atmosphere, you know. And, 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 and regardless of kind of what our preference is um, about what church is or what church is not, I just want to say that church is neither of those three things. That church is something completely different. Church is not a building. Church is not a person. It, it, church is a people that come together, that, that we could have no building, but we still have a church. And when we moved to Knoxville, there was no building, but there was a church. And you could take this building away, and there would still be a church, because the church is not a building. The church is a people, a people that are in love with God, a people that are passionate about others, a, a, a group of people that want to make a difference in the world. It's a people that God has called out, and it's like none other. Maybe you think of uh, tradition when you think of church. Maybe you think of formal when you think of church. Maybe you think of quiet when you think of church. Maybe you think of crazy and loud when you think of church. Uh, maybe you think of uh, painful when you think of church. Maybe you think judgmental when you think of church or selfish or narrow-minded or frowns or hurt. That regardless of what your experience has been or has not been in this thing that we call church, I just want to introduce you to something that will change everything. Because we all kind of bring our own baggage, if you will, into what this thing is called church. And I've begun to realize when I say church and other people say church, we may not be talking about the same thing. And I want to tell you about something that happened once upon a time. A biblical community that went out on a limb in faith. Whenever something would come their way and God would drop this faith step, there was this biblical community that would jump out on the limb and say, all right, we don't understand it, but we'll trust God. There once upon a time was this group of people that prayed bold prayers and God answered those bold prayers. Once upon a time, there was this group of people that they did life together. And they called each other brother and sister, even though they were not from the same family per se. They, won't, they didn't have the same natural blood flowing through their veins, but they had a spiritual blood, the blood of the lamb that was upon their life. And they were young and they were old and they were educated and uneducated. They were rich and they were poor. They were, they were of every ethnicity and every corner of society, but, but they were brothers and they were sisters and they walked together. That they had respect in the community, that they stood that it was a place where no matter where you come from, you would stand on level ground whenever you came into this thing called the church. That there's a beauty and a power that has never been matched, and I say never will be matched. And I want to show it to you in the scripture. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, this is the first day of this thing that we call the church. This is the very first time that this ever happened, this, 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 this gathering called the church and it happened on a day called the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and gave the church filled the church with power 
And then in verse 37, Peter replies, he was like the mouthpiece, the first preacher at, on this first day of the church. And people are saying, what should we do? It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, you, this is what you need to do. Turn to God. Be like, like, Don't just say you're sorry, but actually have a repentant heart. Like Change your life. Be baptized, and God's going to fill you with His Spirit. It says, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message, watch this, were baptized. And there were about how many? 3,000 were added to their number on that day. What a day. What a church. So they devoted themselves, this group of people, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave it to anyone who had need. This was this thing called the church. This was this thing called the church. This picture of people that were changed by the power of Jesus went on to change their world and to live in community with one another. And here's the big idea that I want to give you tonight. is simply this. That the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. That there's this thing that God put in place, this thing that we have an opportunity to be a part of, and it's, it's this local church. This local church. I grew up in a local church. I grew up in a great local church. Uh, people that really loved me and, uh, and, and believed in me and, and, and cared about me and taught me the Bible. And I thank God for the local church. I thank God that there's a place where we can come together from every strata of life and truly find the hope in life that's in Jesus Christ. Bill Hybels is actually the pastor from, he's from uh, uh, Chicago land. He's from Chicago, in the Chicago land area. And he penned this phrase the local church is the hope of the world. And not too long ago, I, I read something that he wrote and he simply said this Is God still transcendently powerful? Does the Holy Spirit still have his stuff? Does Jesus Christ still redeem people? Are the scriptures still true? Then answer me, answer me this. Then why can't there be a beautiful, powerful, high potential, biblically functioning community in our culture, in our time, in our day, in our city like there was in Acts chapter 2? He says, and what is stopping us? From canceling all of our future plans and to give every day of the rest of our lives to the establishment and to the development of such a church. 
I want to invite some people here on this first Wednesday. I want to invite some young people. I want to invite some college students. I want to invite some people to give the rest of your days to an idea that God gave us this gift of the local church. This place where anybody and everybody can belong and people can find their full potential in Christ. The local church is the hope of the world. And that's why we came here. That's why this church is here, and that's why it started, because of a dream that's not my dream. It's God's idea. This is a God idea, not just City Hills Church, but the church. And, and I like to say this, that, that if, if the church is the hope of the world, then that means every church matters. That's why we pray for churches each and every Sunday. Why? Because we affirm and believe and hope that we're not the only group of people lifted up the name of Jesus in our city. And, and this is not a church founded on trying to be better than some other church and to try to get people to come from some other church because our church is better and this is better than that. And that no, that's not what the church is all about. But the church is a place where people that need Jesus, people that are lost and without hope, that can find a haven in Christ Jesus. And, and it's this local church, this idea that our lives can be changed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23 says this. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. But the world is peripheral to the church. We all know that God loves the world, right? God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But, but he says, you know what? Even though I love the world so much, the world's actually in my peripheral vision. And what I'm looking at, God says, is I'm really looking at the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts in which he fills everything with his presence. So the church is God's big idea. That this is God's big idea. This is what he's looking at. This is what he's hoping for. And, and I just want to bring some, some hope to dine. I just want to bring some life tonight and just simply say, regardless of what your mental image of what the church is, can we put that aside? Or maybe the hurt and pain from church in the past, can you kind of put that aside and let's for a moment dream and envision what would it be like if we saw City Hills Church through the eyes of faith? What would it look like if we just suspended just what we see in the here and now for just a few minutes and just envisioned City Hills through the eyes of faith? I saw a quote this week that, that, that shook me, and I, I love it, and it's my, my hope is going to happen tonight. And I don't know how to say this guy's name for the life of me. I've been trying to get people all day to help me figure out how to... I call him St. Anton. That's all I know. He's a good, a better, an easier name to pronounce. But here's what he says. I love this quote. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work. But rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. And we can pass out tasks and we can do all kinds of those things all day long. But I, want, I just pray that somehow God would do a work that I could never do with my voice and in my mind, and my words tonight, and that, that, that we would get a vision for the immensity of the purpose and plan that God has for His church. That God has for His church worldwide, but I just want to specifically focus tonight what God has for this church. 
And I just want to cast some vision for what God has for this church and what his idea is for this church. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Here's some of the things that I believe that if we could see City Hills from God's perspective, here's the first thing that will be in our church is simply this. We'll have big vision. We'll have big vision. The scripture says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or I like to say it like this, where there is no vision, the people go to another parish. (laughs) (laughs) What would happen if just for a moment we looked at City Hills Church through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of vision? Man, do you have a vision, those of you that are parents for your kids? I'm sure you do, because you love them and you see big things for them. What would, what, would if, what would if we could see City Hills, our church, like that God's brought us into, if we could see it from God's perspective just for a moment, what would we see? Imagine with me for a few minutes, and I wrote some of this down. I wanted to communicate clearly tonight. If you could imagine, maybe even close your eyes if that helps you, if you could imagine the most welcoming place in the city of Knoxville. Smiles for miles. High fives, generous gestures, laughing predictably every single weekend. Crowds, crowded, which we're already crowded. But think of more services being crowded. Maybe more locations being crowded. More locations across our region. Maryville, Oak Ridge, Powell, downtown, South Knoxville, Crossville. Everywhere you go in the city, you just meet people. You're like, see people with t-shirts. And you're like, what? I didn't know. Like, what? Some people are connected to my church. See cars lining up in the entryways. You see police cars directing traffic. Because there's people coming to church. People coming from all over our region and Lines forming as parents checking their kids in. And kids from every corner of our city. Not, not, not being fed all the mess in our culture today, but hearing about the hope in Jesus. And understanding that, the, that Jesus really does love them and has a plan for their life. And, and kids that don't have to go through all of, the, all of the pain of regret from drugs and alcohol because they've got a handle on their purpose. That the salvations every weekend, people lifting up their hands saying, I want a fresh start with Jesus. And, and people that, that, that grandmothers and mothers have been praying for and fathers for, for years on end. And, and God just happens to intersect with them and they come to Christ and and, and, and imagine people being baptized and going down, hands coming up with tears flowing down their face as they declare to the world that they're following Jesus. Yeah, hundreds of, could you, could you imagine husbands and wives standing down front with hands lifted and tears coming down their face as God heals marriages and people that are broken that, 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 that an army of students filling an arena downtown, not for a concert to lift up some band, but to stand hand in hand and lift up the name of Jesus. And, and college students across our city and even our campus, the University of Tennessee, people alive with the power of God. Can you see ministry hubs in troubled areas in our city passing out hope to hopeless individuals? Showing them that you don't have to live the way that maybe your parents live, but there's a brand new hope. There's a brand new destiny that God has for your life. And you see our next steps, just, just people, row after row, 
finding out their purpose, finding out what God's called them to do and discovering, oh wait, you mean God's called me to do something great with my life? I thought I was just an accountant. I didn't think I could do something in the kingdom, but oh, God's put everything in me so that I can make a difference in the life of other people. Envision with me. People gathering in small groups and homes and coffee shops and trails and, and, and all across our city and sitting down and sharing life together and walking together and lifting each other up. Can you imagine with me people uh, leading groups that never imagined they would be a leader in their life? That maybe they were told their whole life that you're a nobody and then they discover, you know what, God put greatness inside of me and I can use it for His cause Can you see people serving with a get-to kind of attitude? That this is the best part of what they get to do in their life. That I get to serve people. Can you see properties being bought and buildings across the city without debt? And and as an example of of the cause of Christ. Can you see songs being sung that that are from the heart of God from this house that are going to bless people all around? And you're you're, you're listening to songs and you're ready to say, oh man, I know the guy who who wrote that. And and I know what God's doing in our lives. It's inspiring to me. Can you imagine turning on the news and, and, and seeing influential people in our city say, oh, I know them. We're in small group together. And, 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 and to see that God is doing a work and you see people on the football field and on the, on the basketball court and you say, oh, I, I know them they're, they're strong following after Jesus and, and, and God's done a mighty work in their life and teachers and educators and, and, and people all across our city can you see it? can you just imagine with me? because I just want to tell you that that's what God wants to do for His church That's what God wants to do. He wants us to stand out in our community. He wants us to have open doors and give us favor with people. He wants us to have resources so that we can make a difference in the lives of people that have needs. He he wants us to attract people and help them to grow and become disciples and go out and make a difference and then send them out to the world and send them out to our city and send them out to our region and send out leaders. And Can you see it? What would it look like if you could see the church through the eyes of faith? Because here's the reality. The truth is that the church that we see is the church that we will be. If I could say it again. The church that we see is the church we'll be. Can you say that with me again? The church that we see is the church we will be. And, 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 and maybe you think, oh, well, preacher, I don't know about that. I don't know, I, I've, you know, I don't want just big, you know, I don't, I don't know what I think about that. What would it be if we could see the church from God's perspective? Just for a minute. Just get a, just get a little window into, into what would God would have for His church. This is not some, oh, we're a better church than some other church. and we're just, No, 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 no. There's hundreds of thousands of lost people in our city that need Jesus. And, and I don't want to ever apologize to say, man, as long as heaven and hell is a reality, we have to reach more people. Just the reality. But what would it look like if we saw God's church with big vision? Here's this next thing. What if we were a church on mission? We're not just called to meet together. We're called to be on mission together. We're never supposed to have the kind of attitude, us for and no more. Like, we're good. 
you know, I'm, I'm preaching this tonight not because this is not what's happening. I know I'm preaching this tonight. Someone, uh, I was watching something last week and it said, what should you be planting now that you would like to see be a tree? He was talking about planting a tree. said the, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago, but the second best time is today. <laughs> and so it just got me thinking, what do I need to start planting today for the church 10 years from today? And so I'm sowing these seeds, hopefully, because God has put you here at this time on purpose. And I believe you're living this out. And I just want to encourage some people to say, keep on doing it. Because, because it's, it, this is not about us four and no more. I, I'm, I'll never forget the third week of the church when after we launched. And, and, uh, and we launched uh, just with, by the skin of our teeth. God was good. God was so good. And uh, we, I, had, I had every family member and friend that, that I knew came in town to, for that church service launch. And, uh, and, our, and we started having a Gideon's revival. You know what that is? It's like a revival in reverse. Just people started. We had about 130, then about 100, and about 80 and 70. I mean, we just kept going back. And I was like, am I just going to go over there? It's going to be like me and Kara. I mean, what's going to happen? <laughs> and I'll never forget about the third week, which people were, you know, it was, it was diminishing crowds. And, uh, and I remember one offering, oh, it was, it was bad. One offering was like $20 and a gift card. And that's what we got all week long. And I was like, Lord, it's costing us $2,200 to be in this school. So what, how, every week, what are we doing? You know, and anyways, your brain's just going in 10,000 different directions and just praying that you heard from God. And, um, but someone came up to me that was part of our launch team and came up and said, you know what, I'm just, this is going to be my last week here. And I was like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> I said, I really? I said, why? He said, you know, this church is getting what? It's just getting too big for me. I didn't just didn't, I didn't think it was going to be this big. And uh, I said, I love you. Thank you. You know, thank you so much for your time and thank you f- for your investment. And, and I, mean that since, I meant that sincerely. But the reality is, is that we didn't, we, we came here because we want to fulfill the mission of the church and reach more than just to f- thank God for those people. But but, but see, that mentality can creep in every step of the way is what I'm trying to say because God's blessing this church and we're, we're moving forward and we're growing and all that kind of... And, and just watch. I want to arm you guys with some of the, some of the things to say. No, no, no. The, when people, oh, it's just, oh, we're, we're growing too much. No, no, no. We're never going to have an us for and no more kind of mentality because as long as heaven and hell is real, we got to reach more people. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> I, pray that, I pray that God breaks our heart for what breaks his heart. That we're on mission. And what breaks God's heart, I believe, are his lost kids. I got thinking, if one of my kids were lost, it would be the whole focus and attention of my life. I wouldn't say, well, I got another one. 50% is not that bad, right? I mean, you know, one out of two is not, yeah, it's a pretty good deal. No, my whole life, my whole life would be spent on finding that boy. I would sell my home. I would sell my cars. I would leave. This. I mean, like every, my whole life would be centered around how can I find my boy? How can I find my boy? You know what my best friends in life would be? It'd be the people that were helping me find my boy. And everybody that just wanted to go hang out and do whatever. Hey, you going to watch the game? I don't want to watch the game. Why? Because I got a boy that's lost. And my heart is breaking. And I got to be out finding him. And I don't want to sleep. And I don't want to eat. And I, I'm so focused. Why? Because I love him. 
And I think of all the things that God's focused on, I just think a lot of times in church life, we get on all kinds of other things, and God says, no, 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 you missed it. I got some lost kids out there, and, and I want you to be a part of helping reach them and bring them into a relationship with me. And, and I just want somebody not to, not to play games. I want somebody that will be willing to go out and be on mission and make a difference. Like, 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 let's get on mission and, and make a difference. I put a, I put a scripture in your notes. You're welcome to read it on your own, but I'm not talking about it tonight. Uh, <laughs> but first, it's a good one. But First Corinthians nine nineteen. Watch what Paul says. Even though I'm free of the demands and the expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all, so that I can reach a wide range of people. What is he saying? He says, "I'm a, I'm a man on a mission." He says, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I don't take on their way of life. He says, but I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view in that good. I became just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I I love this idea of Paul saying, hey, I'm on a mission. And and, and the mission isn't just, hey, come to church with me. And that's great. And I I know you are inviting people to church. But but here's the greatest thing. is not not to just go out just machine gunning everybody to come to church with you. But the best way is just, just walk like Paul said. I'm serving everybody that I can meet. And I'm, I'm loving everybody that I can love. And I'm making a difference in everybody that I can make a difference in. Essentially, he's saying, I'm adding value to people. And, and, and not just saying, oh, come to church. And that's great. Invite everybody to come to church. But, but the greatest invitation you'll ever have is your life. Because if you're the real deal, you don't even have to invite people to come to church. They're going to want what you have. And they're going to say, there's something different about you. People don't care how much we know it's true until we know they know how much we care about them. What I've come to learn is that you don't win souls and win arguments at the same time. People aren't looking to come to church just because you have truth and they don't have truth. I don't believe people are looking for truth. I think they are looking for acceptance and hope. They're just looking for a light in the middle of a dark world and they're looking for somebody that loves them just the way that they are and cares about them. And that's what we're called to be on mission about. Not putting our finger preaching at everybody, but loving everybody and adding value to people. Here's some ways that we add value. I love what John Maxwell says about adding value. And I know you've heard me say this before. But if you want to add value to people, first of all, you must value people. If you want to add value to people, you've got to value people. That means you must have a greater desire to connect with lost people than you do to correct lost people. You don't have to be like them to reach them, but you do have to like them. That, that I love people. I'm, I'm on mission. Like I'll do whatever it takes because I care about them. Here, he said, first of all, you must value people. Secondly, you got to know what people value. Sometimes you got to know about where their life is and what they're going on and what their kids' names are. And the people that God's put in your sphere, value them. Show them how much you care about them. It's what, what uh, I call the 101% principle. Find the 1% that you agree on with, with somebody and give it 100% of your energy. 
And too many times as Christians, we do just the opposite. We find the one thing that we disagree on with somebody, and we give our one disagreement 100% of our energy towards somebody. And, and, and the way that we truly add value to people and, and be a church on mission is to, is, is, is to love and care and, and pray that God would bring people across our paths. And then the third thing uh, Maxwell says about adding value is, he, he says, first of all, you need to value people. Secondly, you need to know what people value. And third, you must make yourself more valuable. So students, when you're doing well in school, when you're being excellent at your job, when you're being honest, when, when, when you leave a good tip, that's, that is a will, that, that's like, in the name of Jesus, thou shalt leave more than 20, 25, 30%, leave a good tip. I promise it'll make a difference. You just ask, we do a uh, staff lunch a lot of times on Tuesdays, for, and, and, uh, and our, our, our servers always want to know, what, what church do y'all go to? Like, what church do y'all go to? They want to know. And we, why? Because, be, because we're showing them there's something different about it. We, we value you. We value you. Here, here's, here's, here's the next thing, the third thing, in community. So, so the church had big vision. The, the, the church was on mission, making a difference, but also the church was in community. Here's well, I say you can't spell community without unity. <laughs> can't spell community without unity. Scripture says, for God so loved the world. <laughs> Why don't you say this with me? God loves me. Loves say this, God loves, you. God loves you. Say this, God loves people I don't know. Well, here's another one. God loves people I don't like. Here we go. God loves people that don't vote like me. I don't even think that's grammatically correct, but that's okay. God loves people. And in the way that we show the world who Jesus is, is by the way that we love people. That's what John 13, 34 says. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. That's a high bar. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Not by our bumper stickers. Not by our Christian slogans. Not by our political stands. Not by our Facebook posts. Sometimes we're known more for what we're political ideas than we are that we're a believer in Jesus Christ. And the reality is every time that we, that we sow division among every t- anything that's unified is going to have to fight the devil to stay that way. Any marriage that's unified, you're going to have to fight the devil to stay that way. And we're most like Jesus when we're loving everybody. And sometimes it's easier to love people you don't know than it is to love people that sit across the aisle from you at church. It's just true. And... I want, to challenge, I want to challenge us together. Let's be a church in community. Like, like let's love and care and connect with one another. That, 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 here's some things that destroy community. Gossip destroys community. It destroys it. Gossip will destroy community. And, it, and God hates it. Proverbs 6.19, it's not in your notes, but it says, A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God hates it. That, that, that when we gossip about one another, and when we talk, well, I don't know what she, I heard, and, and you know what she said, and, you know, they, they didn't want to be in my small group, and you know what I thought about? 
I know why they don't want to be in the group, you know, because I heard that her and him and him and her and da 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 And it's, you think it's harmless. And, and, and the worst is in church, we do it, we, we do it like a prayer. Would you please pray for so-and-so? I think, you know, she's really going through a time, you know, and her and their marriage is kind of, you know, it's kind of on the rocks. And, uh, you know, would you just talk, pray for them? And, uh, and, and really, it's just gossiping. It's destroying the community that God has. Here's here's another thing. Unforgiveness destroys community. Here's the reality. In church, there's no perfect church. If you find a perfect church, don't go to it because you'll ruin it. It's just the truth. But but unforgiveness. As we get in relationship with one another and as the church grows and we, start, we, we keep growing all these small groups, you know what? It's going to be really easy for us to get hurt by people and I, you can be, and to be hurt by me and, and me be hurt by you and us hurt one another. And, and, here, and here's the reality that if we don't deal with unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart and the, the way that God tells us to, then that can destroy us living in the community that God's called us to live in in the church. The scripture says, if you're at church and you're offering, a, like you're offering, if you're giving in the offering, God says, forget giving in the offering and go make it right with your brother or sister. So I just want to say this. If you're here tonight and you have bitterness against somebody here in church, I challenge you, get it right tonight. Like have a conversation tonight because the church can never be what God intends it to be if we're not living in authentic community and loving one another and caring for one another and being there for one another. Not just this fake surface, oh, praise the Lord, I'll see you next Sunday. And then, no, 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 real loving community. Here's another thing. Suspicion destroys community. Suspicion. You know, I thought, you know, she was looking at me like that and... And, and uh, you know, Pastor Brandon, he looked at me whenever he said that one thing about greed. And he knows I'm not greedy. You know, he knows what I did. <laughs> Suspicion. Hey, guys, in life, there's always going to be a gap. Many times between what we expected and what really happens. And this will help in any relationship. Instead of putting suspicion in that gap, put trust. Here's the best thing that you can ever learn to say when it comes to relationships. They didn't mean it. That'll set you free. When somebody doesn't do something the way that you thought they were going to do, just say to yourself, you know what, they didn't mean it. You know what, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're, and you say, well, I know they meant it, and I know they, and I know, you know what, just step down from being judge of the universe for two seconds and take a cue from our Lord and Savior. When he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Why? For they know, for they didn't mean it. Because if they, he, he, if they really understood what was happening, they wouldn't be doing this. Forgive them, Lord. Church, let's do that for one another. Let's do that for one another. Let's be the kind of church. Here's the reality. There are 59 one another's in the Bible. And I, I, I'm not going to read them all, but I want to read some of them. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one, somebody needs to get some, get, watch your feet, wash, wash each other's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's for all the students in the house trying to get a day. Um, Serve one another in love. Don't be conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient and bearing with one another in love. 
You know why God said that? Because he knew there are times we needed to be patient and bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Don't slander one another. Don't grumble against one another. Confess your sins to each other. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And make your love increase and overflow for each other. Isn't that good? Like that's what the church is called to be. Here's here's the next thing. Grace-filled. Grace-filled. The church is a place of grace. It's a place where hope is given. It's a place where it's really level ground at the foot of the cross. There was a song in the 80s that was the theme song of a, of a TV show called Cheers. I don't know why I remember that, uh, but, but I... I don't, know, I don't know where I saw where I saw we didn't have TV whenever I was like whenever I was a kid in our house, but I just remember I remember the song and I remember just seeing, I don't know if it was at my grandparents or different place, but there was a song and it said, um, I don't know if you were, it said, Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? And here's the part I remember. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Somebody wants to sing it in the house. (laughs) And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Isn't that good? It's a shame that that was written about a bar. (laughs) When it really should be descriptive of the church. A place where everyone knows your name. You see... I describe the church with big vision, but you know what? We have to be a church growing larger and smaller all at the same time. We have to, we have to be, a, because heaven and hell is a reality, we have to continue to reach more people. But because we need community and we need to be a grace-filled place, we need to love one another and know one another and care for one another. Not that we're some number in a crowd. A place where people are always glad you came. A place where you can realize, you know, our troubles are all the same. A place where everyone knows your name. Here's what James 2, 1 says. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention to and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, hey, you can sit over there or else sit on the floor. Verse 8. It's good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, James, the brother of Jesus, is describing this community where it doesn't matter if you're rich or it doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you walk in and you have it all together outwardly or you walk in and you have nothing together outwardly, that this is a place that's full of grace. My prayer is that every single person that pulls up on this parking lot or whatever parking lot God gives us in the future, whatever happens, that, that it's a place where people feel the grace of God and the acceptance and the care that it, they don't have to perform, they don't have to jump through some spiritual hoop, but we love them just the way they are. You know what? You know what? Jesus never changed anybody to accept them. He accepted them so that he could change them. And as a church, we're going to accept people just the way they are and we're going to let Jesus do all the changing. And and we're going to let Jesus take somebody's life and turn it into brand new. Amen. 
Here's the fifth thing. Culture creating. I love this one. This is good. Culture creating. Are we going to be a temp, are we going to be a thermostat as a church or a thermometer is really the question. That, that are we just going to tell the time, oh, it's so bad. The world's so bad. Can you believe what they're passing in Washington? Can you believe how bad everything is? And we're going to post about it. We're going to write about it. It's just going to be, we're just, we're just telling the time. And, and, and I want to say to a lot of people like that, well, duh. Yeah, it's bad. Congratulations. It's bad. We all know it. We all see it. We have eyes. We have ears. We can see it's bad. But you know, the church was never meant to be just a thermometer of our culture. The church was meant to be a thermostat. And I look, it's a nest. I mean, that's a, that's a fancy thermostat right there. Church is a Wi-Fi-enabled, expensive thermostat. We're not some janky thermometer. No, no, no. What does a thermostat do that a thermometer can't do? A thermostat changes the environment around us. In church, we're not called to just point fingers at the world. We're called to change the environment. I want to show you the early church. This is a time when the church was being persecuted and put in prison. It says, the kings of the earth rise up against the rulers and they band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They did what their power, they did what your power and what they had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, the people are coming against us, but you know what, God, you knew it was going to happen now, Lord, consider their threats. And watch what they say. They don't say, and kill them all. <laughs> consider their threats, and I'm going to post about it, and I'm going to talk, and we're just going to, oh, woe is me. Let's just all circle the wagons, and we're just going to pray for Jesus to return. No, it says, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, let's be a church not just afraid of our culture. Let's be a church that goes and changes the culture, not with our wisdom, but with the power of God. He says, anoint us, use us to heal and perform signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what? The darker the world gets, the more the brightness of the glory of God can shine through. Amen? And then he goes on to say, after, watch what happens when we do this. After they prayed, the place where they, was, they were meeting was shaken. Can you feel that even here at First Wednesday as we talk about it? The place starts kind of shaking with the Holy Spirit. Here it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spake the word of God, not timidly, but with boldness. Let's be culture creators. I'm on a mission to help redefine what people think of when they think of church. I want people to have a smile. Oh, church, that's awesome. Man, it's a place of life. Man, I, I don't even know about Jesus yet, but I came to that, I came to City Hill. Something's different about those people there. Like, they cared and they smiled and they, like, really meant it. Like there's something about the culture that's occurring here. And here's the last thing, Christ-centered. This is all about Jesus. All about musicians, you could come. Acts, another passage in Acts, Acts 4.32 says, Now when the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. In other words, it was all about Jesus. And church, let's keep this all about Jesus. Amen? Let's, let's fight to make this all about Jesus all the time. That every time people come into this place or whatever place God gives us, it's not a building, it's a community of people. And wherever you are, that's where the church is. So when you go to work tomorrow, the church is there. 
When you go to the grocery store tomorrow, the church is there. When you're sitting in your office, the church is there. And let's be what God's called us to be. So what do we do? Here's three simple things. We see it, we say it, and we sow it. I love it. So my prayer is this. Let's see it. Let's not look at City Hills Church for what it is right now. But let's see it for what it's going to be. Could you just dream with me a little bit? Just see it for what it's going to be. And then whenever you start seeing some things like it's going to be, start speaking it. Start saying it. And whenever somebody's not saying it, say, no, 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 you're missing it. No, I know God's going to do something great. Like we haven't even seen what God's going to do. Not just in our church, but in the church. In our city. And then thirdly, sow it. And that's just essentially saying, put it, put it in practice. Like you can, if you have a field and you're hoping for a crop, you could say, oh, I see it's going to be a good crop. And I'm going to say it in Jesus' name. But if you don't put nothing in the ground, you can name it and claim it all you want. But it's not going to make a difference until you put some seed down in the ground. And you know what the seed is? The seed's our time, our talent, our treasure, our energy, our effort. Why is the church growing the way it is? Why? Because people have been sowing this place. Because people have been praying and coming here at 6 a.m. before they go to work and sowing. And then people have been, when they get paid, they say, you know what, God? I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you some of the resources you gave me. I'm going to sow it back in the kingdom of God. And we're able to do things that make a difference in the lives. It's, it's sowing it. We, get, we see it. We start saying it. Speak faith. And then, man, sow. Do, give what you have, your, your time. Be like the early church. The scripture says, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The thing I want to end with today is simply this. Who promised to build the church? God says, I will. God is the one that's building his church. Not us. God's building his church. But you know what he does? He invites us. To be a part of what he's doing. God's not sitting on a cloud somewhere playing a harp and like eating grapes and like the angels are fluttering him. That, 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 that's not what's happening right now. God's building his church right now. Like that's what he's doing on the earth right now. He's building a church. I want to read something to you. It's, oh, the greatest privileges of all life is when Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, I have a critical role for you as I'm building my church in this world. And I've been preparing you your whole life for it. How do you say no to that? How do you blow that off? I'll tell you what you don't say. Okay, I kind of got my own thing going on, God. I'm building my retirement. I'm building my golf game. I'm building my career. I'm kind of doing me right now. Don't be that guy. Don't say, God, I'm busy doing my thing. But say, Lord, every day I freshly commit myself to your work today to build your church on this earth. I commit all of myself to the role that you've assigned me in building your church. And I'm awestruck again that you chose me. 
I offer my hands, my heart, my talents, anything that I have to help you on this mission. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the church. Lord, it's the way that you show your glory and presence in our city. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing in this expression of the church, City Hills. And God, I thank you. And God, just help us to keep on seeing what you're doing, speaking it, sowing into it. Lord, that this would be a place of hope and life. A place like that first church was. I give my life for that, God. You've captivated me with that vision years ago. I just want to freshly commit again to build your church with you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't we stand all over the house? Amen, amen, amen. If that's you in this place, you say, yeah, I want to join Jesus in, in building his church, right? His church. Why don't you just lift up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I want to be a part of that. So awesome. So awesome. Lord, give us strength to build that church that you've called us to build. Lord, let it be built on unity and love and care and like your early church was. Let's move forward into the future you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's just give God some praise in the house. Thank you.